to Superman Movie Minutes, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can fly eyes the 1978 classic Superman the Movie, directed by Richard Donner, starring Christopher Reeve. I'm your co-host, Rob Kelly, and joining me, as always, through this journey of time and space is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Hey, Rob. How you doing? I'm doing well. This is very, very exciting for multiple reasons, not, yes. uh, not least of which is our guest... A former DC staffer, writer, editor, and current poobah of Back Issue from Tomorrow's Magazine, which technically makes him uh, my boss and Chris's boss, since we have written yes. for that magazine. <laughs> Michael Yuri, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're very thrilled to have you here. We uh, we we saw you at the. For anybody, to give a little bit of background of how we sort of did this. Is that of course we've known Michael through years of working on for for Back Issue, and then we saw him uh, give a talk with uh, Roy Thomas at the Heroes Con in June, and we were sitting, Chris and I were sitting there, and I remember, I think we sort of hatched the idea right then and there. We were like, we should ask Michael to, to be on the show, because we knew you were a big fan of the movie, and so we sort of just waited uh, for you outside of the uh, the room to ambush you and sort of, like, confront you. We're like, Michael, you want to be on Superman Movie Minute? And, of course, you would you know would have been rude if you're like, no, get away from me, you bunch of nerds. What are you talking about? So you were, you were nice enough to say yes. Well, how could I not say yes? It's my favorite movie. There you go, of course, perfect, and Chris is too. Um, yes. Yeah, this is Chris's all-time favorite movie. Now, the minutes in question are minutes 66 through minute uh, 70, which is, this is the big moment. This is the reveal of Superman. This is like, hey. yeah, like the great scene of this, I mean, in a movie full of great scenes, this is the great scene. But before we get to that, uh, of course, we want to ask you, Michael, like, what's your history with this movie? I'm going to assume you saw this in the theater when it came out. Oh, heck yeah. Um, I, I'm a little older than you guys, so your first perspective of it was probably through the eyes of children, but mine was through the eyes of an adolescent. And I had uh, just turned 21. I was in college. So I went on opening night uh, in December of 1978 with a couple of college buddies, and um, we were blown away, absolutely blown away. Now, only one of those two guys with me uh, had any comics reading background, and he was kind of like a casual reader from his childhood, but, you know, me, I was always the one who never gave it up and was still going to every week, you know, to different uh, locations in town to find comic books. So, wow, uh, it, it was it was a validation, actually, for me, though, um, because up until that point, if you had read comic books, especially at my age of 21, it was like you were there was something wrong with you. <laughs> uh, culturally, uh, you were supposed to have outgrown that by now. And um, for me to see the mass culture embrace the coolest superhero and to see this this wonderful epic fable on the screen and to see this thing be a box office smash and see a, a, a house full of, of people, uh, who most of whom were not comic book readers, and they're cheering along with me. It was just a, a tremendous, tremendous moment. And I went back on Sunday uh, <laughs> to see it again, and then saw it repeatedly after that in the theaters. I just, I loved that movie. Oh, that's awesome. That's uh, it. Must have been like when you when you finally ended up working at DC. Like, can I? Because we haven't had anybody on that's actually worked for DC. Like, that must have been amazing to be wandering the halls of like this is this is it, man. This is the this is what I've been you know obsessing about since I was a kid to actually you know get like paychecks with the DC bullet on there and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really cool. It, that that was that was very cool. It uh, yeah, it, uh, it, the first couple of weeks were like a dream state, I think, for me, as I adjusted. Uh, then, uh, weirdly, I got sick uh, five weeks into uh, my tenure at D.C. I had an abdominal aneurysm and, and came close to dying. Oh, my oh goodness. My. <laughs> yeah, welcome to New York. But, uh, yeah, I, I rebounded from that. But uh, long story short, though, there, there was always that magic there. Uh, I wrote the DC house column for a while called inside DC. And that was sort of an insider's perspective of the company policies and stuff too. And that was a, that was a hoot. That was a lot of fun. Now, when you were there in the eighties, I mean, cause you were there before the Batman movie. So like Superman, the movie was still probably like 
the preeminent movie for you guys to kind of crow about, right? I mean, Marvel had nothing. You guys had at least the Superman movies, and at the very least, you had this one and Superman Two, which were the huge successes. Like, was that was it a movie that kind of came up a lot at the office? Was it still just kind of like, oh man, yeah, but, you know, was it is it just something like that you guys would talk about a lot? Well, actually, I have to correct the timeline there. I uh, I actually came in the year of, and actually right on the heels of the uh, first Tim Burton. Batman oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were there a little bit before. Okay. And was there through the, you know, the uh, mid-90s, early 90s. And um, and so it, Superman the movie was still uh, talked about by uh, a number of us who were passionate about it. Uh, I, I shared an office with Mark Wade for a while, and so Mark and I would talk about Superman the movie a great deal. And uh, But at that time... Um, the success of Burton's Batman was what really was dominating everything. And if you remember in the late uh, 80s and very early 90s, there was this huge spate of Batman uh, publications coming out. And so that that sort of took some of the shine off of uh, Superman the movie. But, you know, if it had not been for Superman the movie and its success, uh, there probably would not have been that Batman movie. You know, um, uh, Mike Uslan and... Uh, yeah, he, you know his story about how he uh, struggled for years to get Batman made, but um, yeah, I mean, if it weren't for Superman's success, probably none of the stuff that we see today uh, would be taking place, at least not in the volume that we see it today. Right, I and mean, there's a reason why when you would walk into that DC lobby, there's that giant statue of Superman in the phone booth. You know, <laughs> he's the guy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the cool thing. You know, when I when I first went to DC for my um, interview in 89, just really being there. And, and I had the good fortune of working uh, originally in 666 Fifth Avenue, which is, you know, you know insert your own uh, Mark of the Beast joke here. <laughs> uh, and the weird thing about that building, uh, the skyscraper on the top of each of those four corners, it had neon 666, but they were red, like <laughs> demonic red. I don't know why they did that. It just has to deepen the joke. But, uh, you know, when I first went there, I mean, you see, you know, Clark Kent was seated in the reception area, you know, and, and there's all this stuff throughout the hallways that was just so cool. The yellow dot pattern from who's who was right. the wallpaper, you know, it was, I mean, it, it, the retina damaging, but still very, very cool. And, uh, you know, after we moved after that and all of DC's sub subsequent offices, they kind of... It, a little bit of that, you know, comic dumb nerdiness kind of went away because it became a little more corporate. Uh -huh. You still had more of a it was more of a slicker presentation. I mean, there's there's like nice murals and stuff and, and large graphics in, in the hallways of the different D.C. offices that followed. So it's still very much a comic book house. But, uh, you know, back then at 666, it was still a little looser, a little more T-shirt friendly rather than suit friendly. And uh, so, yeah, I, it was so fun. That was a lot of fun. Very cool. Mm. Well, all right, excellent. Uh, so as we, we talked about, the, the menacing question is that it starts with Lois boarding a helicopter, and it ends with Superman putting the copter back on the roof. So this is, yeah. this is, this is really the, the whole bit here. Uh, like I said, this is, I, we, as we mentioned in the previous episode, like I love how Richard Donner worked this in very uh, – you know, subtly with the whole, just the shots of the cords on the, on the roof and you know, something's going to happen. And of course, everything goes, goes uh, cattywampus very quickly because uh, we see the, the landing gear gets caught and Lois, just, Margot Kidder just starts screaming. The chopper starts spinning. Uh, apparently this is based on a real incident uh, that there was an actual helicopter lost control on the top of a building in New York and blades went flying and smashing it. So this is, this is something taken out of real life, which is absolutely terrifying. It didn't dangle off the side of a skyscraper, did it? I don't think so. I don't think it was that bad, but it, it, it sounds sound pretty awful. I mean, it sounds pretty bad. I hope bad. not. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. There's no Superman to catch it. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, you know, the one thing, you know, I don't even want to begin to criticize this sequence at all, but, you know, Lois is shown to be pretty tough in later films, and, and she does start screaming before she even knows if the pilot isn't going to be able to land it, but, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, I know it's there to build that tension, to build that panic as the music swells. And uh, yeah, I know why it's there, but at the same time, you're kind of like, 
you only notice those things like Rob and I have talked, Michael, when you're doing a podcast like this, that's when you start to notice these type of things, you know, when in five minute increments, but, but it's still, I mean, it doesn't take anything away from it. It's just one of those, Hmm. You know, I don't know if she'd be quite that freaked out just yet, but maybe she would, maybe she doesn't like to fly. I don't know. You know, I probably would be freaked out screaming, but Lois Lane, maybe not, you know. <laughs> That's a good point, Chris. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. You, uh, when you're segmenting the movie like this, and I, I did, of course, watch these, these minutes again. And, and, uh, and again, that was thrilled when I found out which minutes we'd be talking about. Because, uh, again, this is the best scene. This is the dynamite scene that when I even think about it or when I've described it to people over the years about what makes Superman special, uh, I get goosebumps and the hairs on my arms start to rise and it's happening again now. I mean, it's, it's weird. I've got the goosebumps because that is just such an iconic scene, but you're right. I mean, Lois was kind of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, maybe a little panic stricken, but then again, you're right. If you are dangling off the side of a, a skyscraper hanging from a seatbelt of a helicopter, uh, you probably have a uh, right to panic. Oh yeah, by that point, yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be gone. I'd, <laughs> there's there's no way I'd, I'd already be. I wouldn't even have made it when the door flew open. I'd probably <laughs> so. <laughs> Pardon my coughing too, guys. I'm sorry about that. No problem. Uh, yeah, but, it would only be later on after Lois gets saved by Superman forty thousand times that she gets real blasé about this stuff. You know, she's like, "Ah, it's all right. Uh, I'm falling off a building. It'll be fine. He'll catch me." It's this is just this is still pre-Superman, so she's she has every right to be scared. I think this is a a really great combo of of matte shots and practical effects. I mean, we know that when we see that the, the it's a shot that's repeated a couple times of her feet dangling over the the city, the uh, the street. Obviously, that's a that's a uh, you know rear projection that they're you know matting her over, but it looks good. It looks real. Mm-hmm. It gives you that sense of vertigo of like, oh my god, you know she is going to, uh, you know she's really high up and there's nothing holding her down. Now, like Chris just talked about, you know you can you tend to kind of nitpick this stuff because you're analyzing it in a, on a granular level. I do wonder during all this screaming, can't Clark Kent hear this? He's in the building. <laughs> Can he? Can he hear what's going on? Like he walks out of the building, and then we see her hat fall, or her yeah. purse, and like he's kind of like, "Oh, what's going on?" Like, didn't didn't he hear? Like, is the building lead lined? Like, why can't he hear this? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, you can go with the whole thing that he has to that he does have to kind of filter things mm-hmm. out and turn it off, or he, you know, he yeah. can't. He, but at the same time, his ears supposed to be tuned for cries for help and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that it, it it it's another one of those conceits to get that dramatic moment where you see Lois's hat fall. That's another thing. Think how long it takes her hat to fall. That's, <laughs> that sells the sells the scale of the building, uh, the the height of the building, and and you know then you know Clark picks it up, and that's the moment when he then he looks up and sees you know. But yeah, you're right. He he probably should have heard yeah. that mo- while he was coming down the elevator or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> They've addressed that fact in the later Superman movies, just about the, uh, the how overwhelming uh, super hearing can be. You know, I've been in Man of Steel, which is a movie that I only saw once and don't necessarily sing the praises of. Um, it, there was a scene early on where, you know, uh, young Clark, if I'm remembering correctly, was freaking out over uh, like sensory overload. And uh, uh, wasn't there one where the, he's like hiding in the closet or something? And, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I think that they've addressed that more. But you're right; there are more con- conceits there that, and uh, the uh, just to make this more uh, epic, I guess, uh, with the Donner film. And um, I guess for Chris Reeve, he could just kind of, I guess, he had to tune it out, you know, unless he was really wanting to tune it in. It could be overwhelming. Right. The same thing right. with uh, supervision. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Superman uh, famously uh, got 4F because Clark Kent was so excited he <laughs> saw through the wall and missed his eye chart. That's why he didn't get sent uh, into service in World War II, right? So, <laughs> I, I'm guessing he was in the building and uh, Gil, was, Gil was talking his ear off and he was just you know concentrating on that because he was so happy somebody at the Daily Planet was talking to him. So, uh, right. but yeah, so he comes out. I love the, the phone booth gag. That's a oh, great yeah. gag. And it, it says something about how much Superman changing into a phone booth was part of the popular culture, that that would be a gag, you know, that you could that, that you could 
have him look at the phone booth, realize that in modern day we only have those little half phone booths, and kind of look disappointed. Like, people knew enough for that to be a joke, and it would have to be <coughs> enough in the culture that, you know, uh, that people who didn't read comic books would be able to get it. I mean, I knew it because I read Superman comics, and Chris knew it, or you knew it, Michael, but, like, the yeah, average yeah, person... It was kind of telegraph for those of us who knew the joke, but it, was, it still works effectively. Yeah. It's right. And, it, and it's one of those odd things that it's kind of in the consciousness of everyone, but he really didn't change in the phone booth all that often. I think there was, like, trying to pin where that came from, I think there's one Fleischer cartoon uh, where you see him change in a phone booth, and... Usually, I mean, George Reeves always changed in the storage closet. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that was his go-to. Uh, you know, you go down the hall, uh, sometimes take his glasses off first, but start messing with his tie, then go into the room. <laughs> and then, you know, catapult out the window with Superman, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a great, it's a perfect, again, Donner and Mankiewicz, man. We're, I mean, geez, we're waxing these guys' cars all the time. We can't help it. I mean, <laughs> but it's just such a great little moment to stick in in the middle of this action sequence of just that little gag of, and the way Chris Reeve plays it, he just kind of looks and he just has this mildly perturbed like ugh, all right there's that thing with this jaw that he does yeah that, where he sucks his jaw and i don't know how he does that but yeah it's one thing i love about this scene too is you know on the street there's so much they do a really good job of showing that uh you know all these people gather around the the uh police and the the paramedics and stuff they react really quickly which i think is nice to show that you know the the real heroes show up. I don't know what they're going to do in this situation, but they are trying to help, right. you know, and, and they move people out of the way. I, I really like that. You know, that's not it's not that the the police department and is incompetent in Metropolis. No, this is just something beyond what they could they could do. And, um, you know, even, place in uh, uh, 66 Gotham City. Right. <laughs> 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 They'd have to flash the bat signal and hope that, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson aren't, you know, out bird watching or something, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's even a line in one of the deleted scenes from this movie where, where Jor-El talks to Cal and he says, like, you can't be available all the time because if you do everything for the humans, they won't they won't try to excel, you know, if you just right. fix every problem. So, yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. Metropolis had to solve its own problems before this guy came along. So then, of course, we get to Clark runs across the street and we get this beautiful shot of him running towards the camera, and all of a sudden the screen is filled with the S shield. It's just perfect. It's amazing. And it's music, amazing. John Williams's music kicks in. It's. I mean, I obviously I think this is the greatest reveal in any superhero movie ever. Now it could be that it's the first one because we never got. You know, the Batman TV series never did such a thing, and even if it had, it would have been kind of played for a joke. But I also genuinely think this is. In terms of the level of anticipation, I mean, we've been we've been talking about this movie now sixty seven minutes, and we haven't seen Superman yet. So I mean, we're just we're so primed to get it, and then we finally get it, and he does the uh, revolving around the door trick. He comes out in his costume. He looks Christopher Reeve looks completely at ease in this ridiculous yep. costume, completely at ease, and that you know you cannot stress that enough how much he just looks like he was born to wear that costume well he took it seriously you know and i think that's that's the thing that he did that we benefit from today uh because now there's no more wink wink nudge nudge at the the audience when you're playing one of these costume characters and uh it, it wasn't that christopher reeve was playing superman christopher reeve was Superman. He, you know, as, as an actor, he committed himself to that role. And so his devotion to that really made the uh, character real. And I, I'm convinced to this day that that really is the main reason why this movie clicked so well with audiences. Uh, you really did believe a man could fly. And it was because yeah. of Steve. He was just so darn good. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And, and I, I think that you know, just the way that, you know, he comes out and there's a little bit with, you know, say, Jim, woo, you know, oh, nice yeah, the pimp comes yeah. in. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so what? I, I call him Superfly. He's just, he's just <laughs> a pimp, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, what What do we think about that? What well, I mean, I, I think that helps Christopher Reeve, that helps his, like, it gives you a, cl- a, a glimpse of, of his Superman because he's like, excuse me, you know, I mean, he takes the time to tell the guy, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm kind of busy right now. I've got to go save this woman, the Stangler from this helicopter. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get back to you later. That kind of, 
you know, that kind of delivery, which this kind is, of this is the, exactly that's that's a, that's a good point because he just treats you know equal regard and respect. Right. And, yeah. yeah. This guy's a pimp, you know. I mean, come on. <laughs> and uh, under other circumstances, Superman might arrest him, but nonetheless. He treats him with respect, and he actually got a compliment for his nice outfit. Yeah. Too, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he treated him with respect, and he excuse me, and then then flies off. It's a great button on that scene. I really think that if they had come up with maybe a different response, that scene might have been deadly. But Christopher Reeve, just the way, excuse me, he just takes the guy, he treats him with respect. It's just perfect. It's just, and then. Yeah. The, the, it's a funny idea to think that the pimp and his call girls are the first people ever to see Superman fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just fantastic. And, of course, again, the blending of the effects. I mean, we see Christopher Reeve take off. I mean, this is all in camera. He's on wires, I guess, and then they paint him out or whatever they did. But, I mean, it, it's effortless. He's standing there on the street on a real location with these actors, with a real car and real buildings, and he just – takes off into the air effortlessly. And we've all heard about from behind the scenes of how many takes it took to get certain flying scenes done. There were some shots that they had to do like 75 times. But, you know, man, they got the right one. They got it because it just lo- it looks, yeah, you just said, it, you'll believe a man can fly. It looks effortless. It looks like the comic book. It looks like everything you want. It doesn't look like a special effect. It looks like Christopher Reeve is just, Superman is just willing himself into the sky. And it, it just works absolutely perfectly. And then we said we cut right back to the tension of Lois slipping uh, her hand slipping off of the uh, the helicopter the um, the seatbelt and the copter you know rocks a little and we see she falls like a good ten to twenty stories. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty terrifying. <sighs> Ugh. Yeah, and and you know it and and you know as 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 she's fallen you know we get a cut of Superman and I mean. But, but going back just a little bit, when when he takes off, I think one of the reasons it helps sell the the special effects of the flight is it doesn't cut when you think it's going to. No, he goes up higher than you expect. Yes, and that, that that helps sell it because they went to the the trouble, and Christopher Reeve went through the danger of being suspended over a street with a, you know or a, a studio backlot street, whatever, but over concrete or pavement. Uh, you know, on wires. So I think that helps sell it. So when the, so when they cut to the, the, you know, the mat shot of Superman flying up the building as he's speeding by it, it, you just totally buy that, okay, he's gone up further now. I mean, it just, that's how the illusion works because they sold it over here in like a, you know, a true in-camera shot, like you said, Rob. And then, so we accept the mat shot because it just goes right together. As yeah. Lois has fallen, he's flying straight up to catch her. Yeah, I mean, as much as we talk about Richard Donner and Tom Mikowitz, we do have to always compliment the editor, Stuart Baird, who was Richard Donner's longtime collaborator. They worked together on The Omen. This thing is edited perfectly. I mean, this is just Stuart Baird did an amazing job putting this piece together because this this scene just works perfectly. And when he catches Lois, now, I'm not going to get too bogged down in the science of this movie because if you're worried worried about the science of Superman, you're, you're, you're hearing the words but not the music. But I will say, because people have said, oh, well, if he catches Lois at the speed that she's falling, he's going to shear her arms off and whatever, whatever, whatever. Break her back, whatever, that kind of thing. Whatever. But I will say, this movie did take the time. If you notice, when he catches her, he actually rears back a little. He softens the blow when she lands. He doesn't, she doesn't just land on his arms. He actually rears back a little, like a rubber band that stretches a little. So he is absorbing the impact that she's taking. They took the time to do it. You see the building recess a little, go down. He's actually kind of like softening the blow. And so it's like, that's the way me, why it works is because he's thought that through. He knows that if he catches Lois falling at that speed, he is going to have to be catching pieces up all over the street, but he catches her because he's smart. He's figured out. I mean, those 12 years really paid off. He figures out how to catch her. perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and he slows down too. I yep. mean, he goes yep. from a full speed flight yep. to basically levitating as he catches her, and then he yep. goes on up. Yep. You know, so uh, you know when you get to the famous, the most famous line in the exchange in the movie, probably. Oh man! You know, yeah. You've I, got me. Who's got you? You yeah. know. <laughs> I, I hope I hope Tom Mankiewicz when he wrote that line just took the rest of the day off. He's just like, all right, yeah. <laughs> good. Um, he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he deserved. If you listen to the audio commentary. 
when they get to this scene, uh, they talk about that moment, and Richard Donner goes, oh, the actors made that up. <laughs> and you hear Mankiewicz go, they made that up. <laughs> he's all, he's all this, it's really funny. It's great. It's just, a, and so, it's, I mean, who's got me, who's got you? Perfect. Yeah, and look, the way Reeve looks so confident, Superman looks so confident, he's just like, this is great. And then, of course, we're not even done yet, because then they add the extra layer in of the helicopter falling. And it's like as if there's not more trouble. And Lois, I love Lois, tucks her head in because she's like, oh, my God. Then he, he, again, he accelerates. And then we get to this amazing shot of Superman catching the helicopter. And this is all real stuff. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's all on wires. But for God's sakes, that's Christopher Reeve or the stuntman probably literally interfacing with this giant prop. It's it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, it, that is edited within an inch of its life. Oh. I mean, it's so cut together so well. It's just so perfect. I mean, you can feel the heft of that helicopter yep. and re- as Reeves' arm reaches out and grabs it. I mean, it's just it's just fantastic. If it, if it was cut any different, it might not sell it as well. But, man, it is just perfect. And if anybody says, well, the helicopter would fall, so quit listening to the show. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Superman can grab the helicopter by the arm because he can. All right, that's the end of that discussion. So, yeah, and exactly. I love that the crowd immediately loves him. I love the response of the crowd. They immediately take it as opposed to being freaked out that somebody has been able to do this. They're just like, "Oh my God, this is awesome! Yay!" This like, is Superman, okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually knew one of the guys who was in the crowd scene. This is actually a pretty cool story. Um, uh, when I worked at DC, my wife actually got a job at Macmillan Publishing in New York, you know, the textbook uh, composition house, and um, her boss was a fellow named Jim Cyrus, and he um, is one of the uh, crowd scene uh, folks there, the, the, uh, the observers who were you know, looking up in the sky, and an African-American fellow, uh, there's like one quick shot of him just looking up in awe, so every time I watch the movie, I have a little nostalgic twinges i said he's since passed on so uh i i i had a remembrance of him recently when i re- revisited these minutes but uh that was really cool he told me that story and i was just of course uh you know like sweating but was, how cool is that to actually <laughs> you know have been an extra in in superman the movie wow Dude, you know, that's did, awesome did he ever mention how he how that came about uh no he didn't he didn't yeah. and i wish i had the chance to ask him now but as i said he passed but yeah. um yeah, yeah, he told me that one day when he uh, he knew I was working at DC Comics. But uh, yeah, I actually for a back issue, you know, uh, issue number one hundred and nine, the one where we're going to do uh, the 40th anniversary uh, spotlight on Superman the movie. I'm actually going to uh, see if I can get the story from his um, uh, widowed partner uh, to see if he knows anything about uh, that. Because I, again, I wish I could ask Jim. Some questions now, but uh, unfortunately I can't. But nonetheless, it's just a personal connection to that that wonderful scene. Yeah, that's oh, awesome, amazing. Yeah, that would that would have been that would have been just so cool to say. And so it's it's a perfectly executed effect. I mean, he lands the helicopter and he puts everybody back to safety, and he lands it sort of gingerly. It's just perfect. It's just absolutely perfect. And it's it's you know I I can't. I've never seen this movie in the theater. I know Michael, you just have obviously, and Chris, you've seen it relatively recently. I can only imagine what seeing this like for the first time in the crowd full of people must be like. This is just such a movie people moment. Cheered. People cheered. It was it was exhilarating. It really was exhilarating. And again, you know, uh, here I go again with the goosebumps. It it just so 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 exciting. And to me, that scene really exemplifies what at least initially and originally was a uh, so special about Superman because he was a super. Man, um, and this was, yeah, of course, uh, long before, and the Fleischer cartoons caught this too. This is long before we had, you know, superfluous uh, heroes, uh, whereas, you know, Superman wasn't just one of a bunch of other guys. I mean, he essentially he came out of nowhere when you needed him the most. And uh, wow, and that scene really just drives that home. And so the crowd cheered they did uh that opening night it was it was like being at a football game it was just so <laughs> wild it was so cool <laughs> oh it's, it's it's absolutely wonderful and so and i love the conversation that uh that 
Clark and Lo- uh, Clark, of course, she doesn't know who Clark yet, uh, <laughs> that Superman and Lois have about the whole, uh, you know, I hope this hasn't put you off on flying. And there's a great, <laughs> there's this great bit where I love the way Reeve does it, where he, he, you know, he's talking to Lois about, you know, I hope this hasn't, you know, he says, are you okay? And she shakes her head. Yeah, okay, And he, the bit about statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. He doesn't, he turns his head away and then he comes back and says it as if he just thought of it, which is, I think is a great like actor choice. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like, it's not a planned speech that he has. It's like this thing where he's talking to her and he's Fair, getting, yeah. he's getting ready to fly off. And then he's like, Oh wait. And he just says that one little thing. He's like, well, statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. It's a great little, again, I think it's a great actor choice on Christopher Reeves part. Uh, and I mean, you know, I, is he was he ever going to get nominated for an award for this part? No, of course not, because he's playing Superman. But you know, the movie doesn't, uh, excuse, you know, pardon the pun, fly if he, if it doesn't work with him in it. And boy, he just he nails it. I just love that little turn. And he just yeah. like he just thought of it. And he's just like okay, uh-huh. and the, and then of course Margot Kidder just has that kind of like uh, okay, okay, like as if she's not hearing one word that he's <laughs> saying. <of course. laughs> And, and when he turns around, he's got this big smile on his face, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's, that's like, it, it's like that rule that that's like that little inner moment that he's got of, you know, she doesn't know, you know, it's like, you know, that, that, that look on her face of like, oh, I did a good thing, but also, you know, I'm, I'm happy she's okay. But I also kind of, you know, wonder if it's not like, huh, that's Lois. She, well, boy, wouldn't she be surprised if she knew Clark just, you know, saved her and grabbed a helicopter. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's almost a wink at a camera type thing, you know. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then of course, she asked, asked that question, you know, with her eyes huge. Margot Kidder's eyes get about as huge as they possibly can. Who are you? Uh, you know, and his answer of a friend. friend. Well, he he's not lying. Superman does not lie, and he is a friend. So <laughs> he's a super friend. That's yeah, right. <laughs> and it's again another great button on the scene as we watch Lois just stand there and then just passes out. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Just the perfect. You know, I mean, it's for, they knew to repeat that in Superman Returns and just have that same scene of just like, oh, okay, I passed that out. So. It's 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 just like a perfect scene. It's just an absolutely perfect scene. And so this whole section ends with. I originally said it ends with Superman lowering the helicopter. It does not. We're my math is off. I, I'm bad at this. Uh, it actually ends uh, at at seventy fifty nine, which is Superman sort of flying over Metropolis and surveying everything, and he's on his flight. So the last real great moment of it is is I love when he takes off and he says bye. The way he turns his body. You know, oh. He doesn't just fly off straight like it's a movie serial. He bends and he turns and he curves. It's, it's, it feels utterly real. It's perfect. How did they even do that where he arcs back when he takes okay. off? I've, I've watched okay. that scene over and over. I'm sorry, Michael. I didn't mean stump over top of it. Oh, no, no, I, I, was, I was talking over you. I'm sorry. I, just, I, I have no idea how they did that. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like the guy was really flying. Yeah, it's because like, it's a shot. I've looked at it before and I thought, and, and, and I've always thought about that shot, and I try to convince myself that there's a cut in there. It's not. Because you, you're on the roof with Lois, he takes off, and and the camera pulls away, and Reeve goes up, 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 and then he like does a like a backstroke. Almost. I know he arcs back. It's crazy. It's like and Mark spits. I don't know in an Olympic uh, diving move and you know, and reverse. It's just crazy. Is this? Yeah. Amazing? I don't. I don't know how they did that. I just and I don't want to know how they did that. Don't ever. If you know how they did that, don't tell me. I don't right. want to know. I, I actually think I do know, but I will not tell you, Chris. I will keep it. Is it because he's got the? He's got a. Uh, is it, it? Does his harness have a? So he can rotate all the way around. Is that? There, well, you just said you don't want to know, but there are some. There are, there are some scenes where he's on a crane, where like yeah. they've literally got him on a crane that could that could whirl around, and I think that's that's how they did it. I, oh yeah, yeah. But I still, it still involves him. Yeah. Doing like with his body, which they've always said that everybody's always said that worked on this movie that Christopher Reeve was actually their best special effect because he yeah. just did things in that harness that they didn't even expect him to do. You know, yeah. they we've talked about that. He when he banked when we first saw Superman for that brief snippet in the fortress, yeah. he was he banked as Richard Donner said. You know, he didn't expect him to, and then he sold that scene, and he does it again here. I mean, I don't know what the original plan was, but. Man, that just that that's one of the that's one of my favorite like Superman 
feats in all these movies. I know it's just a little thing, but it's just so convincing yeah, that that's, beautiful. you know, and then you get the super ballet in the air. You know, as he flies. Yeah. <laughs> these, these effects guys, man, you know, doing all this stuff practically, no, no CGI, no nothing. It's absolutely amazing. It's just, it is it, amazing. that all this stuff was done, you know, long before anybody knew what CGI was. And, uh, you know, to further sing Reeves praises, just imagine for a moment, if you will, that, if, you know, one of those like name actors, they originally talked about casting for Superman had, uh, been chosen. I mean, like, Burt Reynolds. Just imagine Burt Reynolds doing it. Dear this. God. If, 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 <laughs> if you imagine that, we, you would not be having this podcast today because no. uh, this movie would not have achieved the iconic status. It would have been kind of a joke. It might have done okay at the box office, but it, uh, it just would not have uh, created a superhero film genre like we enjoy uh, 40 years later. Uh, Reeve made it real. He, he, he made us buy it. All these other things you talked about, the, you know, the cinematography, all the special effects, I mean, uh, the, the direction, the editing. Yeah, and then, of course, we cannot forget the powerful and iconic John Williams score yeah. with, uh, is just the, the pulse underneath all of this, you know, bump on them, bump on them, you know, like, wow, you know what's coming. And, uh, you know, for uh, a score that actually, uh, a song that does not have any lyrics, it certainly feels like it does, you know, mm -hmm. dun, dun, that's a Superman to me. And uh, yeah, that what a powerful, powerful score. These elements work so well together. It is just absolute uh, film magic. And again, as I said earlier, when you first asked me what I thought about uh, when first seeing Superman in the movie, it was it was validation because it took what some people had made fun of all of us who had read comic books about, you know, and, and it made it real and it showed how special the comic book medium was to uh, a mass audience. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, well, Chris, you know, if this movie had starred Burt Reynolds, your two favorite movies of all time would have both had Burt Reynolds in them. So, <laughs> What's your other favorite, Chris? Well, it, it's one of my favorites, Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey <laughs> and the Bandit, okay. <laughs> that would have been amazing, Chris. You just would have been I like... like Burt, I like Burt Reynolds as a bandit. I don't want him as Superman, yeah, no. okay? <laughs> I love us. <laughs> yeah, no. It would have been Superman with a cowboy hat? No, that would not have worked for him. Well, so. Jackie Gleason could have made a good Otis if you yeah, think yeah. about it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it really. This is just such an in a movie full again, a movie full of amazing scenes. This is just beyond amazing. Just perfect everything. The music, special effects, acting, directing, writing. Rare, you know. They always say movies are. It's 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 rare that any movie is ever any good because the odds are against it. And so the odds you would get everybody working at the exact same moment, all at the top of their game, at the most important scene too. I mean, it's this is the scene that's going to have to work. Or the thing just does the thing just falls apart, and it really does. I could watch a whole movie of Superman just saving people, and that's some of my favorite stuff of Superman Returns is him saving people, not interacting yes. with the villains or anything. Just him doing Supermany stuff, and so this this still remains to me unmatched, uh, perfect. And it get it gets a great laugh. I mean, the "Who's got me? Who's got you?" is just such a great laugh line in the middle of this amazing scene. So it, it's just fantastic. So um, is there anything else anybody wants to say about this before we we sign out? I, the only thing I was going to say is I remember being a little kid, um, you know, when this movie, I was like uh, three going on four. I don't know why I remember this, but I actually do. I remember going out the door with my mom, and I think the first time I ever knew this movie was coming was uh, I was we were walking out the door. I was putting my coat on, and I was walking past the TV. There was Clark Kent running across the street, running toward the screen, doing the shirt rip. And my mom had my, I craned my neck back into the room to, <laughs> did I just see what I thought I saw? And, you know, then later, I, you know, like a week or two later, I went and saw the movie, but I don't think I even knew the movie existed before that, but I still, I don't know how I still remember that, but I still remember that to this day. So, I mean, well, it, that share with me, I mean, what, when did you first see the movie? How old uh, were you? What was your I first was, experience? I'm sorry. Uh, I was uh, I, I turned uh, I turned four uh, like a week before it came out, and uh, I saw it then. Uh, I had some uh, cousins. Uh, my parents actually went to a visitation. I had a, a, a relative that passed away, and a cousin of mine took me and my sister uh, to see it. And uh, and I didn't even know what they meant. Go see Superman. It, it was around Christmas time. I thought 
you know, are we going to go see, is that like Santa Claus? Do you go like sit on his lap? I mean, you know, it's like. <laughs> Will he climbing around? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, we went and saw it. And, and, and the thing, the thing I remember most about the movie experience is when he screams at the end, when, you know, spoiler warning people, uh, when, when Lois dies in the earthquake, uh, it was so loud. I remember coming home and uh, coming home and telling my mom, mommy, Superman screamed and it was really loud. That's, that's, that's my take. But I was just, it cemented my, my nerddom, like just like that. I mean, it was like, if, if I was ever without Superman, the movie, I don't know. I may have drifted away eventually after Superman, the movie, no way I was in for life. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a great story. How about you, Rob? Uh, yeah, I saw it in a theater. I would have been seven. And my, as I've mentioned on the, the show before, my, my dad took me and my sister to see lots of movies and uh, we saw every great thing that there was for me to see all the star Wars, all the star Treks, all the James Bond, Raiders, and Superman. This was just, you know, like, you know, I was, I've been reading comics since before I could, you know, or even remember. And so I remember seeing the ads in the in the comic books, you know, coming for Christmas and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I, I remember seeing it with my parents. I just ate it up, just ate it up. It was, it was the one of the first movies I ever rented when we had video stores. You know, I was <laughs> like, oh, oh man, Superman again. I watched it on TV. You know, it was just, I never got tired of it, and I never do. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just, I effectively just watched the three-hour version a couple of days ago. I was like, okay, I have a couple hours, let me watch this again. I just never get tired of this movie. So, this is why we're here talking about it obsessively. So, uh, it's just, it's <laughs> So, um, but before we sign off, you mentioned that we're going to, you're going to be doing a um, issue of Back Issue, it's hard to say, issue of Back Issue, about the movie. Why don't we, why don't you tell a little bit, people, about uh, what, what's going to be in that? Sure. Uh, well, it's uh, issue 109, 109. It comes out uh, in November of uh, 2018. And uh, it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. Um, uh, oh, let's see. We're going to look at how Superman the movie actually affected comics. Because we're still a comic-centric magazine, of course. So um, it affected comics in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, there's going to be... Two features in that regard. One is going to look at um, how it affected comics right when uh, the movie was coming out. Uh, actually, there were a lot of people who kind of looked at this as sort of the the shining knight in shining armor or the great white hope for uh, uh, the comic book industry because you know in the late seventies. Uh, through the 70s, comics had been you know, watching some uh, number shrinkage, and the market was starting to change, so they were hoping that Superman would drive millions and millions of people to read comic books. Well, it drove some to read comic books, but nonetheless, uh, there were things in the comics like the uh, movie contest and such, and uh, one of the two contest winners for the original Superman, the movie uh, contest, uh, is going to be interviewed in the oh. issue. Nice. Yeah, we, we tried to get through to, to both, and uh, one of them came through. Maybe the other one will by the time we're all said and done. And, of course, they had cameos in the movie. Uh, let's see, Jack O'Halloran, there's an interview with him. And uh, the what I call the Smallville interviews, we've got, you know, uh, Baby Clark, uh, Young Clark, and Lana Lang are all going to be interviewed, uh, the actors and actresses playing them. And uh, then the, there is an article about how Superman the movie has affected uh, comic sense, you know, really probably starting with Man of Steel, uh, with Burns' more kind of antiseptic uh, look of Krypton. Uh, Carrie Bates is doing... Uh, uh, guest column about his plans for what you might have called Superman 5 or what he was calling Superman the new movie. He did a movie treatment for that. Uh, there are a few other things right now that's probably escaping me, but uh, a lot of fun features in that. Um, there's going to be a look at uh, Superman collectibles, and then Chris, of course, is going to be doing an article about Superman collectibles for a second magazine that I'll be editing from tomorrow's called Retro Fan. And uh, Retro Fan number three, Retro Fan debuts next summer. It's a quarterly magazine that does for pop culture what we do for comic books with Back Issue. And in uh, Retro Fan number three, which comes out in December of 2018, uh, there is a cover featured uh, interview with Richard Donner. 
and Chris is doing a feature on his Superman and Batman collection. And uh, there's also a look in Metropolis, Illinois, in there, kind of a retro travel look there. So uh, there's going to be a whole lot of Superman the movie love uh, coming from this editor uh, in uh, late 2018. That sounds all really cool. Although I do have to ask, how did you interview Jack O'Halloran? Because he doesn't talk. He just kind of grunts. I don't understand how that works. Uh, excuse me. Actually, the, uh, the cover copy for that is going to say a non-speaks. <laughs> I, 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 I ran that by my wife, and she looked at me like, "Okay, what? What do you mean, non-speaks?" She, okay, but you know, she's. That's I'm her sorry. Bar. I but, couldn't resist. I couldn't uh, yeah, resist. Non-speaks, but uh, yeah, but uh, I did interview him at um, the Fayetteville Comic Con um, recently. And uh, it was a lot of fun. He has a lot to say, you know. And, uh, you know, and he's been taken to task a few times for saying some negative things about Christopher Reeve. And I'm just going to, uh, in uh, Jack's defense, you know, Reeve was a Juilliard trained actor. And um, Jack O'Halloran was kind of a street smart son of a gangster. And so they came from two very different worlds. And so O'Halloran does have a lot of respect for what Reeve did. Um, and uh, he also was candid about some things that, that he saw. He's very opinionated, and uh, but very respectful for Reeve and the entire uh, filmmaking crew, and Donner in particular. He loved uh, working with Donner, but uh, it was a fun interview. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I, that's one of the joys of my job. I get to talk to people from time to time. Uh, and you've done this too, I know, uh, when you've interviewed people uh, for the magazine and for other uh, for your podcasts and such. So when you get to connect with a, somebody who was in a role that was so important to you when you were growing up, how cool is that? Oh, I mean, you it's don't, great. Yeah. It's, 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 awesome. it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, and you don't get that with other fields. I mean, there's something about comics that uh, is even uh, kind of brought – Hollywood, yeah, uh, to some realm of accessibility for us. I mean, you know, I like, I like Sting, you know, I, I like Sting and the Police for years. But I, am I ever really going to get to sit down and talk to Sting? I don't know. You know, <laughs> probably not. But but you know, occasionally a film or TV actor or a, a comics legend that I've uh, you know read since I was a child. Uh, I've had the opportunity to interview them or meet them, and even in a few cases become friends with them. And uh, wow, that is just one of the coolest things and one of the, the most wonderful byproducts of this job I have uh, that I can imagine. Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah, it's an amazing experience. It really, really is. So, uh, well, get this, Chris. Anything else we say before we wrap up? I just want to bring up real quick. If we're going to talk about Superman and we've got Michael as a guest, I have to I have to laud. The awesome Krypton Companion that he edited for Tomorrow's. It came out several years back, but that is like one of my that's like my favorite book on Superman that I got. And uh, I get it out and flip through it all the time. It's just a fantastic <laughs> book. I, I don't know if it's still available, if it's still in print. If it if it is, I if it is, or if you can find it anywhere, I I can't recommend it enough. It is just. It's a. It's like a little. It's like a Superman Bible for a Bronze Age comic fan. It's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. It was a, a sheer, you know, joy to produce. It's uh, it's also you know Silver Age. I, I basically took yeah. the Silver and Bronze Ages of Superman uh, and and just dissected them as much as I could and. Uh, uh, interviewed a, a number of uh, people. Anybody who was uh, contributing to Superman comics during that era, I either interviewed them or repurposed, repurposed excuse me, a, a previous interview with them. A few people had already passed, but I even got a nice essay that Kurt Swan wrote about drawing Superman, and we uh, got the rights to reprint that. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think probably out of all those interviews I did with that, um, I had a long chat with Neil Adams, uh, which ended up just being kind of uh, fun because he really, you know, he, he and, and Neil's a great storyteller. And, uh, you know, Neil, great. I, I, there was almost a soundtrack behind the story when he told about how Siegel and Schuster kind of got their piece of Superman and, and his role with um, 
uh, Jerry Robinson and, and making that happen. And uh, it's a great moment uh, in that interview, though. But uh, I, I'm, I'm honored to have been able to capture some of those stories. And again, you know, one of the um, weird byproducts of the kind of work that I do and that you guys do is that uh, these stories fade away. And, uh, you know, we have been fundamental in preserving them. And, and that's something that is just a badge of honor, quite frankly. I, 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 it's a tremendous honor to, to be part of that, to capture these stories. I mean, I think I might have been the last person to just venture off of Superman just for a split second. Uh, I interviewed uh, Jim Aparo, uh, another you know, great uh, idol of mine in comics, uh, in, for one of the earlier issues of Back Issue. And he passed not long after that, so I think I might have been the last person to interview him. And occasionally that happens, which is kind of a bittersweet thing when you realize that. But then again, when you think about it, what an honor it is to, to capture these stories and, and uh, preserve them. And most of those guys from his era and some of the guys, like even you know, uh, Kurt Swan, uh, guys of his era, you know, they, they drew comics as a job. They, they were far removed from fandom. Uh, and it was only in their later years that they start to get an inkling that there were people who revered their work. And, and it was really kind of hard for them to understand but uh, it was just a whole different world. I mean, now it's you know this rock star status stuff and and mega cons and all the noise and such that surrounds them. But these guys worked in a vacuum usually, and just uh, yeah, they were just doing their jobs and you know feeding their families and paying their mortgage or paying their rent or whatever. And uh, it's just nice to be able to uh, have let them know how much their work meant to so many people. I'm very jealous you got to talk to Jim Aparo because he, as I have said on many podcasts, my number one favorite comic book artist of all time, Jim Aparo. Really? So, mine, he's mine too. Yeah, he's mine too. Yeah. yeah absolutely <laughs> so, well, uh, I think that is going to do it for this super, super episode of Superman Movie Minute. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to suggest to you, Michael, that the next time uh, you're at a convention and if you see me and Chris hovering, uh, I would suggest you probably should go out like the fire exit or something because it means we're probably going <laughs> to... Uh, buttonhole you for something else. So just, just no just way. I, I I enjoyed it. I want to apologize to you or anyone listening. Uh, if you heard the uh, coughing jags in the background, I am recovering from the flu, and uh, yeah, a couple of times I've uh, been challenged to speak during this uh, podcast. But I have enjoyed this tremendously, and uh, look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate We really appreciate you coming on. So uh, I guess that is going to do it for this episode of Superman Movie Minute. So uh, we will see you guys uh, later. Bye. This country is safe again, Superman. Thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night. Night.